0: Welcome to the Talking in People and Technology Podcast. I'm David Gazzarotto, and we're here live at the HR Tech Fest event in Sydney, and uh, joined by my partner in crime, Scott Wilson. Hello, How are you going, Scotty? Hello. Yeah, good. Having a fantastic morning so far. Very good. So we're just in the pre-lunch bit, which, uh, so the noise level's behind us, a little bit subdued for now, but we're about to get, uh, I think, smashed by a whole bunch of people coming to lunch.
1: Indeed. There is a long line of people grazing.
0: Very good. Excellent. Well, we are joined here. We're uh, delighted to be joined here by Colin Ellis. How are you, Colin?
2: I'm good. Thanks, David.
0: Great. Um, and you've uh, come off stage this morning from the keynote. Just mm. uh, tell us a little bit about the Colin Ellis story first, and then we'll get into some of what you're speaking about this morning.
2: Oh, the deposit history, David. Liverpool-born and bred, uh, awesome. back in the UK. Um, worked in project management for the last twenty years uh, in public private sector. Yep. head uh, large project departments, uh, and I'm working for myself for the last three years. And I and I train and speak for a living now, and really help organisations transform the way that they deliver projects, David. Because we're not that great at it. Yeah, you know, if I'm being brutally honest, oh. we're we're really not that good at it. And I, you know, we've really lost that focus on on people and teams or leadership and culture. Mm. And uh, yeah, so I help organisations put the fun back in, I guess.
0: Yeah, awesome. Well, let's um, let's I guess let's cut the chase then on projects and how do we you know how do we make projects more successful? It's something Scotty and I have been shooting the breeze on this for uh, probably twenty Quite years a while now. now. Yep. Um, and the the needle on project success in HR tech projects, particularly, mm. it's been sort of hovering between seventy five percent and eighty percent failure rates mm-hmm. for as long as I've been doing it. Yep. Mm. And we just can't seem to be fudging it. So what's behind that?
2: Cool. And it's so true. And it's the same in IT. It's the same everywhere. It's the same in construction projects. I mean, partly it's down to the way that we measure them, Dave. Mm. You know, time and cost are always the things, and yet they're the very things that change in projects. So if they're the measures, firstly, we have to kind of look at that and say, "Mm, are they the right measures? So, for example, Spotify, who are represented here at HR Tech, you know, they'll measure it based on customer experience or stakeholder experience, which is a way that certainly I did when I, you know, headed up my project department. So that's the first thing. The second thing is we make the same mistakes over and over again. There's, you know, there are so many reasons documented every year for project failure, and we make the same ones over and over again. And it's it's really do my head. in to use a good Liverpool phrase, <laughs> um, it's really my. But there are only two reasons for project failure. It's poor project sponsorship and poor project management. So a senior manager who's all in, fully accountable. You know, in some of the biggest uh, project failures we've seen here in Australia, you still don't get that accountability. Mm. You know, you look at the NBN rollout as, as one, the, the yes. um, broadband rollout, just been a mess. Yeah. Um, and there's no accountability. And, you know, there are no people held to account for that. And, and so I think what we need to do is we make sure that senior managers understand what their role is and they do it well and then understand, make sure the project managers understand their role because principally they've got to build a team, build a plan and deliver the project in that order, always in that order. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. So let's, um, sorry Scotty,
0: you go.
1: Um, One of the the things that's fascinated me recently Mm. is we're obviously um, organisations or products have moved to the cloud and we're moving organisations to the cloud quite rapidly what we're seeing is a lot of um, proprietary vendor methodologies and approaches for delivering those products and yet what we're seeing is customers not necessarily taking up that methodology and approach and i think it's largely contributing to why we're not delivering successful projects we're not adapting
2: our approaches for doing these things have you seen similar scenarios oh scott not only have i seen it, i've been on the receiving end of it as well yeah. you know so for uh, so i would Six years in New Zealand, year here in, in Australia, heading up government departments, project departments. And people would come in and they'd say, oh, this is the way that we manage projects. I'm like, I kind of don't really care as long as I get what I need when I need it. Now, my project managers know, or they knew that the first thing that we do is we build a team. Hmm. So that we agree what the approach will be. As soon as someone starts talking method to me, oh, it's going to be agile, it's going to be Prince 2, I know immediately there's a problem. Because only project managers talk about their tools, like no one else talks about it. It's not like finance come in and go, right, here's all the tools that we're going to use to do our work, and it's not about that. Collectively, we'll agree what needs to be done, when it needs to be done, and we'll agree how we're going to work together. Some bits are agile, some bits are waterfall, all of that, but but let's get the approach right. Don't try and force feed me a method and tell me it's going to be successful. Because immediately I know it's not going to be. Because what we do is we've created this divided culture where one group thinks one thing and one group thinks another thing. It's about us getting together as a team and saying what's the right way to do this particular project Mm. and then being flexible throughout. You know, and, and... Agile, twelve a set of 12 principles that we've turned into a process. Huh? Only project management could do that. <laughs> you know? I saw someone, someone print it out and laminate it. I was like, no, don't do that. That's <laughs> what we did with Prince too. Look what that got us.
0: Oh, that's brilliant. Yeah. I well, love it. So, what's, um, so I guess, I mean, to me, projects are a bit of a microcosm of organisations. I mean, they're a form of organisation, right? So I presume what you've witnessed in the project world plays out quite often um, at an organisational level Yeah. so what are some of the things that you've observed there That,
2: and and it's a a great point you know I talk to project managers all the time and sponsors and say you've got this once off opportunity to create the most efficient subculture within your organisation so all of those things you moan about that your organisation doesn't do well here's an opportunity for you to create something magical and you know when you've done it because people want to join they're like oh David how do I get onto your project when you go into a project or you know, for, for the times when I'm asked to work with organizations and I you know, ask them questions about their cultures and all this kind of stuff, when I see meetings not being run on time, when I see people yeah. being distracted on devices, uh, when I see senior managers who don't get involved in the planning process, you know there's a problem organizationally yeah. as well as at a project level. Yeah. Um, and yet project managers and sponsors can become famous in inverted commas. Mm. And it's something that I used to do a lot of is just go in and run the best meetings. All of a sudden, everyone's thought, who's the new guy? I don't know, but he runs great meetings. How hard is that? (laughs) (laughs) How hard is it to just do that one little thing? And they are, they are microcosms, and... and as soon as you st- start to see the culture mistakes at an organization level being played out at a project level, you know that you've missed an opportunity and you know it's going to fail. Yeah, You really do. And we want, we, we, well, we don't want it. We need people to stand up and go, okay, I'm going to get good at doing this thing called culture. I'm going to build the best culture for my project possible. You know, if you build it, they will come, the whole field of dreams yeah. thing. Yep. Once you get that working, then other people are going to look at it and go, geez, Steve, what are you doing in your... Project Because mm. I'd love to do the same, get people talking about it. There's a buzz. We create this vibrancy. Everything will be successful. Yeah. yeah. Perfect.
1: Um, I noticed within the, uh, the description for your keynote, uh, you, you talk about the skills required for to lead digital transformation initiatives. And the fact that traditionally we don't necessarily train for those anymore. Can you, can you talk to us a little bit about what do you think are the emerging skills required mm. for people to lead transformation initiatives?
2: It's a great question, Scott, and and it, it's funny because the emerging skills are actually some of the skills that we used to have in project management before we became over-prescribed on our methods. You know, so we talk a lot about soft skills. And I love what Seth Godin, an American mm. leadership author, talks about it. He calls them real skills. Yes. And I love that.
0: That's great, isn't yeah, it? Yeah,
2: it's great, right? Yeah. It's great. The real skills you have. And there's a real focus on emotional intelligence. Mm. The world mm. that we live in now is quite different than the world even three years ago. Yeah. And so Sadly. the skills that you need to develop have got to be different. Peter Actistrat, the former Auditor General here in New South Wales, did a paper uh, two years ago about why public sector projects some- sometimes fail. I mean, come on. Come on, Peter. If you're listening, come on. I mean, they always fail. It was
0: government funded. That's sometimes, why he said sometimes. Yeah, that's
2: right. <laughs> and he talked about the fact that leaders today need a different set of communication skills. Now, project management, we are in the communication and relationship building business. So those skills have got to be the best they can be. And one of the things that I teach as part of my training is how to do this thing called variable communication, right? So it's partly empathy. Mm. So it's learning about another person in a way that you can adapt your style to deliver a message in a way that they want to hear, not a way that you want to say. Because flappy arm, excited Colin, right, Eh. works a lot on flappy arm, excited other people. Yeah. But with introverts, software developers that I used to project management, they were like, can you shut up now? Yeah. There's no substance behind what you're saying. Where's the detailed plan? Mm. Right. And I found out very quickly in my project management career that you have to have different ways of motivating different people. So empathy is big, right? Empathy is really, really big. And, yeah. you know, it's, it's about understanding the behaviors. What are we good at? What are we not so great at? And then plug in those gaps and make the, the, this, this thing called soft skills. And, it, you know, emotional intelligence is great because it can be learned. We got to want to learn. We got we got too many people who are carrying what I call emotional baggage, and they've been doing it for years, mm. you know. And they still see this thing called soft skills as an unnecessary waste of time. Uh, but those real skills, as mm. Seth Godin call them, they're the things. Yeah. you know what? And the Prince too, and the Agile. You know, what? you can learn them in a weekend.
0: Yeah, you know, I say to it, you,
2: you've got to learn the methods. You've got that's that's what, that's what makes you kind of a professional project manager. They're the technical skills, mm. but without the people and team building skills no. to go will that. Done. Yeah, not going to happen. Um. It's like that. No, I
0: look at that even more broadly. Let's, let's go to a society level. Mm. I've got kids who I've got an, my oldest going into high school next year, and there's all this push towards technical skills, the STEM stuff. I've got yeah. a daughter going into the school system as well, and I think it's all fantastic. But what if they go into a world, they into the workforce 15 years from now, and the robots have taken over? That's right. Uh, what are we left with? We're left with the human skills, which are what you're describing, right? That's right. Dave. It's how do we, you know, communicate? How do we connect with others? That's right. How do we motivate
2: others to do stuff? And, and people will always be the best for leading people. Hmm. And this, yep. we've made leadership too hard. We've yeah. made it hierarchical. We've made it when you get to the top, you're a leader. And yet, hmm. leadership's at all levels. You know, my son's going to high school as well next year, yep. Dave. And I talk yep. about how he can lead aged eleven. And he can lead by walking away from situations, by choosing not to engage, by not speaking nationally to his sister, right? Yeah. We have all of these conversations. Yeah. You know, Daniel Goleman in his book, Emotional Intelligence, talked about the fact that IQ contributes about 20% to future success. So I say that to my son. You've got to work hard at school. Yeah. But you've also got to learn how to communicate and build relationships with other people Mm. as well. You've got to know what the best version of you is in order to be successful. Mm. So you need the two. And, you know, what I love certainly about the kids' school, they do things like mindfulness. Yeah. And they talk about EQ in a way that we never did. Now I don't know about you guys growing up, right? So, like, Mm. I tell my kids now they can do anything. You know, I got a, my son's 11, my daughter's nine. Uh, and I'm like, you can uh, be anything. My daughter was like, I want to be an astronaut. I was like, sweetheart, you can be an astronaut. I grew up with my parents telling me I'd never amount to anything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Yeah. You'll never amount to anything. You know, it's, like, it's a completely different world yeah. now. And it's yeah. about making sure that they're emotionally prepared yeah. as well as, you know, making sure that they've got the intellect and the knowledge as well.
0: Yeah, I think yeah. It's, a, it's a challenging time because it, I'm not sure the school systems. Um, particularly higher education, I'm concerned about higher ed. Yeah. Like what are we what are we turning out as the as the next way? Well, we, we we talk about the millennials, we're worried about the millennials. Yep. They're already here. Yeah, Screw that. Yeah. Can't do anything about that. Mm. But the next generations, I mean we've got a chance to change to shape the future of work yep. so that we can uh, you know
1: Well there there are so many of our traditional frameworks and approaches which are no longer relevant. Yeah. And they've been we've been phasing them out for some time now, but we're really at that at that, uh, I guess, a junction point now where um, not completing that transition and not totally making that shift is going to have some really adverse effects to what we're trying to do. Yeah. Um, and it's, uh, it's a wonderful thought to think that workforces and society can become more human uh, yeah. and we can, we can keep, you know, working with that human element. It's, um, it's fantastic stuff.
0: Yeah. There's... Um another angle on this and I'm interested in your, your view on this I've been changing the language a bit lately from digital transformation which we've been talking about a lot to um, saying that we are now need to focus on HR in the digital age so we we're no longer transforming to digital it's here it's, all, it's everywhere so how do we it's now about how do we adapt to new ways of working new ways of organizing and the mindset shifts that are around that, the behavioral shifts. What's your view on that? that yeah, out. and
2: it was interesting talking about millennials and, and generations. Like, this is it's not something new, right? There's a new generation yeah. every generation. Yeah. Um, but what I'm finding certainly at the minute is, and, and the organizations who are succeeding, the current generations are making way in their mindset, all right? So they've got a growth, not a fixed mindset. They're making way for new generations what spurred me to work for myself three years ago I went to a project management conference the keynote speaker the very first speaker the first sentence out of his mouth was my kids say I'm really out of touch I never want to be that guy no, you know, I'm 50 in a couple of years yeah right should see the look of shock on that face yeah, <laughs> so I'm am I am 50 in a couple of years <laughs> and I never want to be that guy I never want to be the guy who's out of touch yeah. so we have to change we have to change the our language and the words that we use hmm. but what we can't avoid to do we can't afford to do it's changed the names of stuff without changing our attitudes and behaviors as well. Yeah. You know, and HR is as guilty of that as anyone. You know, they've changed their name like seven times yeah. over the last 20 years. You're still hr You're You're still still all about the
0: people. You're still personnel.
2: Personnel. (laughs) Personnel. Someone said to me, it was like, oh, we're people, talent, and culture. It's like, oh, that's funny that because I know you as desky emailing and processing. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But we do. We, we, We need to give people the learning, the skills to be able to change from a fixed mindset. But we have to challenge this. Yeah. We can't just accept this fixed mindset approach that's holding us back from change anymore. In order to become HR in the digital age or any sector mm-hmm. in the digital age is mm-hmm. people need to be told to change if they're not prepared to do it themselves. Yeah. And we have to give them regular feedback and regular insights on how to do it. So do Absolutely. you
1: see a, um, a particular resistance to that change from any particular area? So does IT tend to adapt to that better than HR or HR better than IT?
2: Scott, you know what? I see it everywhere. You know, I'm very fortunate and I get to work with lots of different sectors, retail, banking and finance, engineering, construction. Um, it's very easy to point the finger at middle-aged men. Although, you know what? I've got to say that some of the behaviors of middle-aged yeah. men, present company excluded, although I don't know, I don't work with you. You seem <laughs> like <nice laughs> Um it, It's just not great. It's not great and there's an intransigence and behaviorally particularly, you know, we're seeing a lot around the world um, and, yeah. and particularly middle-aged men being called to account and damn right too yeah. and we need to do more of that but you know it, there's pockets of it in every organisation it's just disguised in a different way yeah. some of it's behavioural outwardly shouting, screaming, banging the desk which we just don't do anymore yeah. but there's a lot of gossip as well there's a lot of people talking behind people's back and, and if you engage in it or if you partake in it you're just as bad as everybody else Yeah. You know, you're only as good as the behaviour you walk past and what we want is, you know, and I talked to HR leaders about this this morning, is mm. we want to create an environment where it's safe for people to show courage and challenge that behavior. But in order to do that, we need to agree a new set of behaviors mm. and then hold people to account to them.
0: Yeah, there's, there's so much we can explore on this, Colin. Oh, <laughs> We'd probably need red wine and about an hour-long episode, which we might try and do at some point, yeah. uh, which would be fantastic. But look, that's probably all we've got time for in this little episode. Thanks so much for um, sharing some of your thoughts and mindsets. really good to get to know you. Um, we're going to go back to the office and rip up all the methodologies, <laughs> yeah, are. and uh, get on get on with the EQ.
2: So They're thanks gone. very much for your time, Colin. My pleasure, Colin. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Cheers.